Hi, and welcome to Sustainability Explored. For those of you who are new to this show and don't know me, my name is Anna. I am a sustainability consultant and the host of this very show. Here on Sustainability Explored, we discover how sustainability manifests itself in different areas of economy, in businesses and startups, exploring fresh ideas directed at improving the environment and climate on this planet. We continue moving through 2021 with an exciting interview on the sustainability of built-in environments and healthy interior designs. Today with us we have April Elaine Powell, founder and board president of Design Collective 207 and a founder and creative director of ID Plus Collective. She's based in Portland, main area in the US, and I'm super happy April joins us at Sustainability Explored. We will be ready to welcome her in a second. I'm so excited to be here. Anna, that's one of the things that I don't feel like we have enough conversations about is sustainability here. It gets quieted down. So I'm glad that you're getting it out there and getting that conversation started for the everyday person, not just the people who go to school for it. Absolutely. I started myself out of my own curiosity. I wanted to expand my knowledge in the areas I was not at all connected to. And it turned out that people find it interesting too. Let's talk about you. How did you find your way in sustainability? Where did you start? What was your sparkle? Oh, I think I have to, I have to give my parents credit. <laughs> I'm going way back. My dad, actually, when as a child, my dad was doing organic and sustainability from day one. You know, I remember reusing jars of pickles, reusing, you know, the toilet paper measured out, you know, piece by piece, amount of time the water was running. So to me, those things are just have become every, they're everyday things that I constantly, constantly aware of. And I think that it just felt natural that when I started moving into the design world, that that was what I was going to take with me because I felt like it was something that really needed to be honed in on by the build, built environment, especially in my niches. I run a, a firm that focuses on commercial, which is in the retail, hospitality, and wellness environments, which basically alternative medicine spas, places where people are engaging in a lot of a lot of activities. And we need to find ways for them to be able to do that without draining our natural resources. So that was kind of my motivation and where I started. And I went from being a chef where it was easy to, to me, it was easy in, in the chef world to focus on sustainability and on the whole renewable recycled world, having your own garden, creating the things that you needed, reusing, reusing things completely. Like for instance, if you take a piece of an avocado, everyone just assumes they're just eating the inside of the fruit. Well, you can actually use the avocado can be used for a dye. You can plant the seed. It will create a plant. You won't, unless you're in the right environment, of course, have a, have fruit grow off of it, but you'll have a, a, a green plant. I mean, so that's, that's using it all the way down. So that's one of the things that I write. Here's a tip right off the bat. <laughs> yeah, it's true. My problem is always that 
you have to find time to plant a, an avocado, to think about it, to think about all the parts you're throwing away because it's not the time, it's not that important. And so I'm like, I'm blaming myself. And at the same time, I'm lazy. So the whole it's the whole story. I think you do. I think you, uh, as a consumer, as just, you know, your everyday consumer, you have to think about your plan. Like, what am I going to have the time to focus on? So pick one or two things that are your, are you, that you know you'll be able to do on a regular basis to, to lower your carbon footprint. And, and it isn't about doing 100% of everything. Nobody can do that. But it's making an effort in some way. Absolutely. I was recently asked, I mentioned a couple of times in the conversation, oh, minimalism, decluttering. And the person asked me, why? Because my parents are hoarders, because I'm aware of the planetary boundaries. But for a second, I was like, wow, I don't know how to answer this question. Why did I start decluttering as a maniac, like almost everything, like is it useful? Is it functional? Am I optimizing? Am I using my space um, in a proper manner? No, go. Like sell, give it away, uh, offer it to someone who's going to be happy. But for a second, I was like, mm, why actually, you know? You know, I think it's also too, you know, at growing up myself, I my parents got divorced when I was very young and my mom was a single mom and there were four of four kids. So she learned obviously from her, her lifestyle to teach. And she taught us how to reuse things. Like I wore my sister's clothing a lot when it was possible. My younger brother wore my older brother's clothes, you know, and, and it was things of, of that nature that you learn from your parents. Not only is that saving the planet and making an effort, but you don't even realize you're doing that part of it. What you're focusing on is how much does it cost? How much time and effort am I wasting as a single parent, as a, a you know, any of those pick your, pick your category. But a lot of times we're doing it and don't realize we're doing it. If you're it, it, and a little OCD, never hurt anybody. As as, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, like I'm obsessed about turning off lights and, and, and water usage here in my own home. Now I follow my partner around turning off lights. I grew up in Seattle, uh, Washington in, in the States. So it was more natural for us. I think there we were, my dad was a hippie in, in all, in all, in all essence, you know, he, but he was a hippie with such style <laughs> That's what I like to tell people, but he would, he would, he would shop at like really high end places, but he would buy things that he knew would last for years and would be in his closet on a regular basis and he would use. I mean, it's it's little things like that and the materials they were made out of. Uh, being conscious of, am I using a fabric that's going to end up in a landfill? Am I using a fabric that will just go back to the earth and re yeah. repopulate our plants and trees and, and all of that? It's if, if you if you were to sit down and think about everything, one of those things, you'd go a little nuts. <laughs> but I feel like we're going into that direction more and more, probably with the change of generations, with this minimalism, with more and more younger people wanting to live zero waste lifestyle, wanting to be conscious and mindful of, of the resources they put. I think also because like generally we make less money or more maybe. 
and, and we want to use our resources uh, in a proper way. Speaking of that, of the decluttering, of the spaces that we find ourselves in, 2020 was the year that we spent indoors almost entirely. And yes. not only indoors, but office, offices are also indoors, but we spend it in our own houses, apartments, rooms. What do, you are now a designer, a sustainability indoor built-in environments designer. What do you think we should all know in order to have these places working for us and not us working for them? How to create a healthy space? A really important part with the fact that we're all living, we're all living in small quarters, we're all working in small quarters, we're teaching in small quarters, those of us who still have children, I don't have, my children are, are all out of the house, but I have a lot of friends that have children they're teaching in their home as well. So you're taking, you're taking work, play, nurturing, family life, all of those things and putting it into one, one home, one place, which in some instances, and it can be a, a pretty tight squeeze. I think that the most important is, as far as sustainability goes, is be cautious and careful in choosing what materials are in your space. Like for instance, you see the paint behind me, uh, the paint on the wall is, is just as important as the rugs under your feet and the clothing on your body because that paint and that rug and the clothing, um, if it's not chosen correctly, is putting toxins into the air that you're breathing. And on top of the COVID piece, we don't need any more of that. So if you're going to add things to your space, pay attention to where they're coming from. Know who, it's kind of the old, the old um, terminology when people started paying attention to what they're eating. It's, it's know what the ingredients are in your food. So know the ingredients in what you're wearing and what you're, and what you're creating your space with. Um, and furniture. Furniture is a big one now too. There's a lot out there producing inexpensive furniture, but that furniture has formaldehyde. It has all of these dangerous chemicals within it that if you bring that into your home, and especially here in Maine, where I am, where it gets cold and you have heat on uh, a good portion of yeah. you're adding that to your entire environment as well. So long and short of it, pay attention to your materials, choose them wisely be thoughtful about it. Ask someone who knows about it. Don't be afraid to ask. I'm a LEED certified I'm interior designer. And most of us have been trained with, in that with that information. And if we don't know it personally in our own heads, we can direct you to someone who does, um, who can give you good, solid advice. And most of us, most of us don't charge it by the minute. <laughs> for that information. So that's another thing that scares people away too, is they think that it's going to cost them to ask a question. We're not like attorneys. <laughs> We're happy to share a little bit of information that, uh, you know, give tips. And I actually offer a, um, ask me anything for 30 minutes. If you go what on my website it's on or any website. of my social media, you can book a 30 minute call to ask questions like that. Like, right. can I use this? Is this a good fabric? Mm -hmm. 
I was going to ask, what if the person finds himself or herself in the rented apartment, rented space? But then I quickly came back and I recalled my own experience renting in Canada. They usually rent empty. This yeah, is crazy. But here in Maine, there actually is a lot of, of places that are furnished. That's become the new thing because it's like an Airbnb. So you've got, and and to be honest, in the majority of those people, unless they're unless they're really conscious about the environment, are not being careful about what they're putting in. They're doing what's what's least expensive and least time consuming to put uh, furnishings in. So that's another thing. It makes it harder um, if you're if you're one of those people. But I highly recommend, unless you know the person and you know they've used the products that you are know are safe. Uh, go with something empty like you did what do we need to know beyond the certification so the certification lead or brem that they use in the uk is a set of rules requirements if you want to get the building or the space certified what is beyond that what lies uh, beyond the certification so the certifications talk about the build so that means that means the structure of what it's built in. My certification, which is about the interior. So you have many levels of certification, like within LEED and within, there's also the well AP, uh, which is about the wellness piece of it. So you're stepping, you want to step in from the outer structure to the interiors and, and, and talk to someone who knows healthy materials, talk to someone who knows and, and engaging an interior designer to help you solve all those issues, especially if you're a small business, is really going to be worth the money, it, the investment. And, and it's really it really about what truly the investment in the long term that you want for your home or your office or your business, for that matter, is, is finding those people that know the information. So you want to know how your energy is being used. How do you process that? That, that again... The lead certification is great and their guidelines and they're important, but it's, you need to educate yourself on what it is within that building that's going to help you. You can put all those, those certifications in and get, do all the right things. But if you don't, aren't operating your office or your business in a way that's sustainable, it's not really going to make that big of an impact. And it's really not going to affect your bottom line if you're not utilizing the tools. So one of the things I, I highly recommend to most people that are, are just getting started in this, do your homework, research what the differences are with the different certifications and what they mean, and then research. Like for instance, I use a flooring company that I know and trust, Ultra. They have no vapors. They are next to no vapors. That, that means there is plastics, there is reusable furnishings that are bright and cheerful and engaging in a modern sense that don't have, they're not going to make you sick. You're not going to be walking out of a room going, oh, I feel really exhausted. What, what was that? For? What's that from? Or I'm sick to my stomach. There are so many, our environment is so, so important. And if we're paying attention on a regular basis to those pieces, engaging someone who does know, will will alleviate 
a lot of that stress from yourself and also get it done right. And they'll create it. We create interior designers, create a master plan. So that includes how to utilize your space, how to utilize all of the little nuances that we created for you, your technology, your equipment, all of those pieces are really important in the scheme of things. And they're also going to make your life easier. That's what they're designed to do. The human experience is most important. I cannot agree more. Less than three months ago, we moved into a new apartment that we rented. And apparently it was um, designed with the help of interior designer. It's so relaxing. It's so, you know, I used to describe it as the visual, like how my eyes move. There is, there is no bumps. They don't stop. They don't restart. They don't feel anxious like me in my, in my mind. I don't feel anxious because nothing stops me from point to point in my environment. And then, you know, I noticed that even the bed sheets and the towels are playing with the rest of the colors of the apartment, with the patterns here on the wall, the pattern uh, somewhere on the decorative pillow. I was like, wow. And the harmony, this balance in the environment outside started to call for a harmony inside so I like to the point that I started to you know clean in a way my nutrition um, clean my head of negative thoughts I decluttered completely my wardrobe all the things around and even the digital space I removed about four or five gigabytes of uh, never read emails, like promotions, updates, and so on. Four gigabytes, like how crazy is wow. that? Because <laughs> the environment, the, the environment of the apartment and the visual and the interior design started to call for more harmony. Like again, the smooth road, smooth visual, smooth feelings inside. So I'm, I'm totally with you on that. And, you know, I had a um, a guest on my podcast, Terry John, he said, light has to come from unexpected places. Forget about overhead light. Let it come. Let it kind of tickle your imagination. This is this apartment is exactly the case of light coming from unexpected places. And, you know, it's it's art and it's science. It's really work. It's working. It's magic for me. That's fantastic. That's so good to hear because as an interior designer, that's, that's what you want. You want to help someone live in a space that reaches them without effort, that, that it's about their lifestyle and how they operate and encourages them to be who they are from the inside out. I, I love how you just described it. And even um, better, not just how you are, but even better than you are. Yeah. Environments matter. That is, that is absolutely my total deep, deep rooted belief. Environments matter. Why did you choose design in particular? I felt, I have to say, I felt called to the, the idea of taking a space and make it about an environment or about an experience. Experience design is a lot of what I do because I work with small businesses who are t- taking this brilliant, amazing idea and trying to, not trying to, but eventually getting it to where it's an experience for a client. So like, for instance, a restaurant, 
when you walk into let's let's use a well-known one um, when you walk into let's say a starbucks you know what to expect and you have an experience from the front door all the way through their the process and all the way back out um and you're engaged as a as the consumer you're engaged with each piece of it because it has been meticulously um given attention on each point so there is the attention to the outdoor the outer the outer exterior of the home or, or excuse me of the business and then you walk through the door and, and it's not just even there's thought put into that door is it a single door is it a double door are you having to touch the door these are the things that with covid especially in mind that that businesses like Starbucks are starting to have to pay attention to a little bit more intently, but they were already thinking about those things, just not with the level of touch uh, that we are now. But then you walk through the door, your first experience is has got to be a wow, has got to be a, a wow from a perspective of, I can't believe I'm here. This is so, name your list of things that you came to the store, to the Starbucks for. Oh, it smells so good here. Oh, it looks so good. I can sit, I can relax. I can have a cup of coffee, a cup of tea, enjoy a snack. And the staff gives me what I need, brings me forward. And so then the steps of the, if you take a look at the flooring, now we've got serious wayfinding because now we have signs that say stand here six feet away from the person in front of you or behind you. Those didn't used to be there, but if you think about it, they're kind of helping us in a sense with our sensibility of giving someone space, our sensibility of, of allowing someone to feel safe and still attend to their needs in a, in a public space. And I think those, those kind of pieces are what interior design, what brought me to interior design is that need to combine the the tactile, the touch, the feel of what we're doing in every aspect of our environments um, to make them matter. One of the things that I chose to focus on hospitality and wellness, and these are areas of design that I knew well. You know, I grew up, my father was a massage therapist, taught kinesiology at the University of Washington, um, in Seattle and a spa. Well, really it's called a wellness center. It's called a ventral wellness center and it's still in existence now. But one of the things I learned through those years as a kid was how to interact with people, how to engage people, how, how environments in when you're seeking help and nurturing for your body are so important. Years forward, I'm really a uh, interested in food. And so I've moved into the food sector and I went to school to be a chef because that, that to me was a, is a part of design and, and of styling and, and creating. My intent was to nurture people as a chef and, and it took me a while to get there. But then when I got there, I was also engaging with all of these different levels of when you work as a chef, when you're running or managing people, one of the things you're focusing on is how do I, how do I help my people do better? How do I engage them in their work, engage the client or the customer in the environment of what we're doing? 
And one of the things that I found I was leaning toward all the time as a chef was workspace, workflow. How can we tweak this so it works even better and so that it's safer for the employee, but also gives our numbers a boost because we're able to do things quicker. I was seeing that there is a synergistic connection between cooking and, and feeding and nurturing people and, and the environments it was being done in. And so for, for me, it just felt like the natural progression. Let's take this to the next level. I want to help small businesses create these environments. I want to help someone um, take their dream to the next level. And now I can help them do what the big corporations can do. For me, is it's, it's yeah. always been this connection to helping people. <laughs> I'm listening to you and I so much love your philosophy behind your every action. This is exactly the mindfulness and the conscious conscious mind that is turned on consciously. You know, what am I doing this for? What am I trying to achieve? Not like I went into this profession because I had to pay my bills. So, you know, here I found myself in cooking. Never meant to, but here I am. But the meaning behind this is something that I lose sometimes and I remind myself, I even have a book where I, when I started my journey, why, with all my whys, what I want to do, how I want to feel, what I want to bring back to the world. And sometimes I have to open back my uh, first pages like, okay, I'm feeling super down. Why? What am I doing wrong? Where have I lost my thread? I so agree. It, it's imperative. It's imperative that we check in with our why. Even set yourself up in your schedule. Let's check in with our why in every three months, every month. And that's why we have goal. I mean, when you ever, if you've ever worked with a, a business coach, that's why they set goals. It's, it's, it's because they want you to keep checking in, checking in with that why. And the, the guidance I give small businesses as I'm helping them through their process is that check in with your why. And that, that equates with your brand and your experience you're trying to share with others. So it's not just about how you experience your space, but it's how you want others to experience your space. That's important. And I think that when we check back in with our whys and even for our homes, if you think about it in your home, do I entertain a lot? Do I, do I have family, friends, business associates in my home on a regular basis? Well, post-COVID, obviously, or pre-COVID. But, but those are the questions you want to ask. As you, and those are the basic questions. <laughs> There's so many others that get down to the detail. And that's one of the things that we do as interior designers is we ask the detail questions. We want to know who you are and how you operate and what you want from your environment. That's how we know how to guide you. And the big, big one that everyone wants to avoid talking about is, is the budget and the cost, but they are important. Well, you know, I think sometimes it's better to invest at, in the earlier stage than to feel uncomfortable for the rest of your life. If, especially if you're buying, if it's yours, come on, really invite the interior designer make it yours, have this light coming from unexpected places, encourage the well-being and the harmony 
it will pay off. It really will pay off. It acts on so many invisible levels. I cannot, I cannot say yes, 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 yes. Enough. You know, preach into the choir. One the, it's one of those things that, that we encourage people to do. If you're invest now in the beginning and doing it right, because it's much more costly if you try to do it yourself and you don't know what you're doing or you don't engage the right professionals to help you going back and fixing something is much more expensive. And that budget that taking the time 100%. to build a budget, at least a guiding budget is the, is the one thing I absolutely insist upon with every client, no matter you can tell me, Oh, I don't, I don't have to worry about money. I'm still going to make, give me a budget mm -hmm. <laughs> because we don't know a budget also talks to where your priorities are. Those are, those are important pieces too. And especially when we start talking about sustainability, when we start talking about um, healthy materials and we start talking about, there's a misconception that's, that's being taught that being healthy is expen more expensive than not being healthy. And that's not entirely true, especially now. There are, there are so many companies that are innovative, making innovative changes to how products are made. You know, the whole idea of using renewable and recyclable materials, like a pop bottle or a bottle, a water bottle. Do you know how many different ways a water bottle gets used um, now? There's at least four clothing companies that use it in clothing. Patagonia is one off the top of my head is the one I think of the most because they were, the, they pretty much were the first ones to do it. I have, th I have three sweaters that are made mm -hmm. from recycled Plastics. water bottles mm -hmm. Plastics. Mm -hmm. and, and they feel just as comfortable, if not more comfortable than my others. There are many ways that, that big companies are trying to do the research needed to bring the cost down so that we can all start taking advantage of the renewable and healthy materials out there so that our buildings are safe for our build for for everyone buildings and interior pieces and which is making my life a lot easier that's cool what would be your predictions what do you think is how the industry is going to evolve and develop in the upcoming year oh they're on fire <laughs> Um, the renewable companies out there, there are big, big, you know, like for instance, um, Knoll, Knoll Furniture and Textiles has been working tirelessly since they started, you know, in 19, I believe 1935 at paying attention to the environment, being mindful of how they're creating product and not just creating product, but how it's made, where it's made um, and the equipment used to do it. So everyone thinks of the carbon footprint and they think of how the big picture, not, not as many people think about all the steps that are required to get it in there. Companies like Knoll, Loom is new, a new uh, company, they're doing fibers. So they, they're doing, using renewable and recycled fibers for furniture, fabric, mm -hmm. you know, things of that nature. Claire Paint it's an actually, it was uh, founded by a, an interior designer and she is focused on healthy 
paints. She has limited and she limits the colors so um, so that she can control that. That makes perfect sense to me. Little Green Paint is, is also another paint company that's paying attention to the VOCs. Um, Ultra Flooring, as I mentioned earlier, one of my favorite flooring companies right now, and especially in commercial, because they care enough to take those steps. So there's there's big companies out there trying, and it's just going to get better. Yeah. Do you think people are going to require interior design services more? I think interior design is on the on a, on a rise, especially in the commercial environments. The interior design, as I see it, and as, as the things are being predicted, is there's a lot of people that need to be um, educated about what interior design truly is and the benefits of interior design. And as an interior designer, I'm also on the uh, board of ASID, which is a, the National um, Organization for Interior Designers. And one of the things that that we see on a regular basis from our corporate corporate headquarters is the innovation, the people that are, are the designers themselves that are finding problem. We're all problem solvers. And that's one of the, I think the key pieces of, of an interior designer on a real interior designer, their, their sole purpose and, and motivation is their problem solver. So when there's a problem, they find a way to, to, to not so much fix it, as to solve it. Mm-hmm. And, and I've, I've used the word solve instead of fix because I feel like fixing has to do with, you know, something you do for a car <laughs> in my mind. Temporary solution. Um, for instance, if you have a piece of furniture in your house and you want to use it in a room and you have no idea how you're going to get that done. You know, an interior designer can help you figure that out. Or if you have a wall in your room or getting rid of that and having it in a wall or a build-in, you know, an interior designer can help you with that. They know codes. They have been trained in those kinds of things and, and, and how that works. So I think that one of the, the, the focuses for the future is going to be about educating the public and how we can partner with everyone in our communities to help them learn how to do. There are certain things that it's funny because I live in the state of Maine is known for its um, do it yourself attitude. Always has been, well, I don't really need you. I can do it. They've always, it, that's something I had to get used to. I've been here for 16 years. And that's one of the things that as a designer, that those are the things you have to take, take into consideration of your environment and where you are. How can you help your community the best? And one of the the focuses for me has been, how can I add value to the clients that want to do it themselves Mm -hmm. and help them so that they're not running into the issues we talked about earlier of doing something the wrong way? You know, Mm -hmm. if if that's where they need to be, it's meeting that client where they're at and helping them get to where they want to go. This all um, sounds so exciting. Makes me want to become <laughs> an interior designer. You know, I work with interior decorators who are, are friends of mine. And they're, the interesting thing is that a lot of people get those two confused. Um, and, and, and it's not that an interior designer can't decorate, or, but a decorator is not going to be able to give you the design and structural 
and architectural input that you could get from an interior designer. So an interior decorator is all is truly all about the color and the style and, and helping you plan those things out. And there are some extremely talented women and men that I work with um, that I would I would have to do my own home. It doesn't make them less of a professional. It just makes them different. Mm -hmm. On this note, you mentioned we have to educate ourselves and our communities. The podcast is one of the ways uh, to do so. And speaking of that, I would like to ask you one final question. What would right. be your one piece of advice for the listeners of Sustainability Explored? Do your homework. <laughs> I know I just gave you, I just, you're probably thinking, oh, wow. I, I, that would be my, my greatest suggestion. Do some homework, pick one and pick one thing, one thing you want to focus on for the year to make a change and do it. Just jump in and start doing it. You won't know if it works for you until you try it. And one of the things that it's one of the pieces I give to each one of my clients choose. Usually they have three options and I said, you get to choose one. How can, how can you take that one thing and create a memorable experience, um, whether it's in your home or in your business? Take that one thing that you're working on and how can you focus on it, focus all, your, all of your sustainability energy anyway on that one thing, and you'll become an expert at it. And you'll be able to share that information with the next person. And that's how we educate everyone else is when we become an expert on, on one thing, we can help others become more knowledgeable and solve, start solving some of the problems we've created in our environments. I cannot agree more. That's exactly, that was my 2020 and this podcast. Consistency every week, every Thursday, new episode, religiously whether I'm sick, tired, I don't want to do it, but I did it anyway. And I can already see the results. And I can certainly say it's working in every sphere with everyone the same way. Just roll up your sleeves and go for it. Thank you so very much, April. It was an amazing interview. I learned a ton from you. I hope the listeners did too. Thank you. All the best of luck for 2021. And if we keep in touch. Thank you, Anna. I'm looking forward to hearing. I'm, you are on my uh, list now. So I listen to you on a regular basis. So, That's so cool. I appreciate it. And I've been sharing that information with others. I think you're doing a great service. Thank you very much. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. Well, thank you so very much for spending this time with us, with me and April. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to this episode. I hope you loved it as much as we loved working on it. As always, if you have any questions to me or April, you can find us both on LinkedIn and shoot us a message. We're all very happy to have them, to get them, to answer them. If you like the podcast, subscribe on the platform you're listening on, like, share on your social media, leave a review on the platform you're listening on or on our Podchaser page. Uh, this is the one I see the most and I can be responsive and get back to you on your 
on your comment and review. Yes, I'd like to get better with the podcast, with the quality, with the questions, uh, the way I interview people. So any, any comments you might have will be greatly appreciated. I always su suggest some other related episodes for you to continue learning, educating yourself on the topic. And I'd like this time to draw your attention to the episodes called Well-Being, Health and Environmental Psychology with Lee Chambers from Essentialize, the episode I did in mid-2020 with um, a specialist from the UK, Lee Chambers, as I said. Episode number two, what is green building and its benefits? This is where we discussed with Julia Craighill from Inside Consulting about all sorts of certifications, namely WELL, LEAD, both were mentioned today by April, so I really suggest you go back to, those, to that episode. Another episode where we discussed in a lot of detail BRIAM certification that is more widespread in the UK. This episode is called Sustainable Buildings with Tom Abbott. Tom has his own consultancy called uh, Green Easy. You can follow that on LinkedIn. You can follow Tom, shoot him uh, a message, a question if you have any. And the final one that I I love and I really integrate the tips and tricks from that episode for real in my own life is called Effective Lighting for Individual Well-Being and Sustainability with Terry John from Life Light Studio. This is my colleague and a great friend from the UK who is a light specialist. So with these four episodes, I think you can continue educating yourself on the topic of well-being, sustainability of indoor environments, built-in environments, and in general, live a happier, healthier, and more fulfilled life. Finally, reach out to me on LinkedIn, challenge me with your questions, suggest guests, become guests yourself, suggest topics you'd like me to cover in the future. And this was Sustainability Explored, episode number 72, season six, and me, your host, Anna Chashina. Thank you again for listening, for being with us today, and until next time, next Thursday. Take care, stay sustainable.